one of the problems that we've been confronting, both in our work of tshuva and also in our general ascent, in our spiritual journey, is the internal fragmentation which occurs when I have an identity, a being, that somehow doesn't feel quite at home in the world of Jewish spirituality. And this whole complex mitzvah apparatus can become a drop overwhelming and almost not... Um, it doesn't feel like an expression. The way, we, the, way, the way we spoke about it previously was this idea of I've been given a script. And we spoke about other scripts that I've been given. I've been given scripts by culture and our society. But in essence, we've also been given a script by a spiritual system called the Torah. In fact, quite literally, we've been given a script in terms of our prayer. Yeah, these are the words. Read them. Now, what happens when I'm not relating to that script? And I feel a discord of, well, here I've got the script, and I'm told I need to read the script, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not vibing with the script. I'm not, I'm not resonating with it. It's like almost as if I'm not the person for this role, and I feel out of sorts. And that's, that's a big problem, I think, in general with spiritual progression. And it's a crucial, it's a, it's a crucial one to examine because Suppression and denial have never been great recipes for either emotional health or spiritual growth. There has to be a basic recognition that spiritual growth is an outburst or a consequence of emotional health. And when spiritual growth comes at the cost of emotional health, so then not only is it dangerous for one's mental well-being, it's also not spiritual. It's some kind of distorted, toxic misappropriation of an idea. But it can't, in order for a spiritual growth to be real, it also has to be emotionally healthy. It's almost as, as if there are layers of self. And the bedrock of the spiritual structure is emotional stability. And then you add on the next floor and the next floor and the next floor. But this foundation the foundation, this, this is actually the great Mekubal Kabbalist, Rabbi Chaim Vital. He describes the emotional bedrock as the root and the foundation of everything else. So that has to be solid. If that's tenuous, fragile, not balanced, and then you mix into that emotional instability a lot of spirituality, it's toxic and self-destructive. The problem is, however, when negotiating that spiritual journey, what happens when I find the incoherence? How do I mitigate against a unresolved emotional issue with a next stage in my spiritual growth? What do I do? The Chovis Alvavis, which is a, an amazing work written probably over a thousand years ago, proposes engaging in an inner dialogue and actually having he does and he plays it out and we can examine it a discussion a talk, a chat with the two components of yourself and the way he describes them is he calls the one in Hebrew Seichel and the other Nefesh 
roughly translated as my spiritual, far-sighted, wise, connected, internal self, and my tumultuous, sincere, well-intentioned, but easily confused and distracted, childish self. And in that dialogue, there's a marriage between these two components, which transpires through the seichel talking to the nefesh, the nefesh applying, the seichel almost grilling the nefesh as to what's really going on, and the nefesh responding with honesty, but also being quite open about his struggles. Gavriel. So the seichel is the higher self, and the nefesh is the emotional self, the tumultuous, more childlike self. The student. Seichel is a teacher. And that's how the discussion begins. So let's see what he says. He does this in the, in the chapter, the, the, the gate known as Shavodisilakim, which is the getting in touch with spiritual service of the powerful creator. And it's in the fifth chapter. So now the Seichel opens up the conversation, which is interesting. Who's going to initiate the conversation? Well, more often than not, it's going to be the Seichel initiating the conversation because that emotionally charged self generally is quite short-sighted and self-contained and doesn't really see out of its present state of being. Emotions aren't helpful when making big decisions because they are very limited in their overall perspective of what's going on. They're not, they don't really look at anything else but the urge that's confronting them. So if, if I'm very angry, I don't kind of think about, oh, well, what will be if I say this? And what will, what, what will we think if I, if I, I get, how? And I get overcome, I become flooded. So emotions tend to flood us if I'm flooded with my desire to harpoon that last schnitzel waiting on the plate at lunch, and I start making a beeline towards it, and I notice another competitor. So obviously I'll pick up another fork, thrust that one into him, stab the schnitzel, and come out triumphant, as opposed to thinking, am I hungry? That won't cross my mind. Does he need food? That won't cross my mind. Is schnitzel fried deep fried in oil, the best thing for my system right now that won't come up in my mind. What will come up in my mind is schnitzel need now. <laughs> so emotions don't really work well. Um, they're not rational. They don't, they don't get the bigger picture. And so when you're thinking about when you're thinking about when you're thinking about um, building a marriage between those two parts, you have to almost educate and enlighten this really tempestuous part of the experiential self and get him to up and running. So the Seichel goes to the Nefesh, for Yomel Nefesh. So 
So the first point of engagement, which is fascinating that the Seichel chooses, he approaches the nefesh from a perspective of gratitude. And he says to the nefesh, do you feel, do you feel that when you reflect on everything that's happened to you in your life, do you feel that you've been given so much that you're beholden to the origin of those gifts? Do you feel obligated? Do you feel a sense, a debt of gratitude? Do you feel from the incredible amounts that you've received, you need to reciprocate? Which is such an interesting point of engagement. We spoke briefly about this notion of gratitude, and we identified gratitude as the anti-superficiality component of life. That superficiality slices off the depth of an experience and leaves it skimming along the surface. And when I say to you, thank you, without the depth of gratitude, if you bring me something, my thank you will be a very limited one. And there's one step beyond that. A lack of gratitude is almost a a lack of recognition as how this bounty arrived at my doorstep. In other words, lacking gratitude is an inability to trace the causal um, linkage between this thing that comes to me and where it came from. And I just say, it's here. And I almost cut it off from its source. So wh- why would a person not say thank you? Someone comes and they give me something. If I'm so um, involved and caught up in my own world, so then it's almost as if I lack the capacity to recognize that there's a universe outside of me. And therefore, when things pop into my orbit or into my space, I just take them for granted. As if, well, the world is only as large as I am, so anything operating within this world is obviously just there. And it's a very shrunken perspective of reality. So in other words, a lack of gratitude is almost an enclosure in this immensely small universe of self where there is no causality to everything that occurs within my range of experience because, well, it's only me, so everything is just me. So if someone goes and they give give me the ultimate gift of a million dollars, my experience won't be, wow, thank you for that. My experience will be, I have a million dollars. I can do so much. But there won't be a relationship of where it came from and how it was, it was, it's here. If someone gives me a um, delicious chocolate cake for dessert, gluten-free, I'll say, whoa, this cake is delicious. And gratitude is the shattering of that selfish shell and recognizing, well, Ask yourself the question, how does this come to you? And when you ask yourself, you ask yourself the question, as opposed to saying, delicious cake, eat, you say, who gave me the cake? And then you recognize there's actually someone else there. It's a person. Why did they give me the, case, the cake? Well, they care about me. And almost then, at that point, a relationship is established. And then you think, what did they do to give me this cake? Well, you know, it's actually, they baked it. Well, what did they involve? Well, they involved them going and buying the ingredients 
investing time and effort, love and involvement in the production. And actually, it involved a whole other range of components that conspired. For example, there had to be water in the faucet. There had to be electricity. There had to be the supply chain that got the ingredients to the store. There had to be the money that was invested in the purchasing. Whoa. And then all of a sudden, my universe becomes greater and greater and greater as I see further and further outside of the selfish little shell that I've submerged myself in. And the further back I go in that supply chain of reality of how things arrived at me, the more indebted I feel because I recognize it wasn't just giving the cake. It was the effort and the production and the financial investment. And really, it was the fact that the ingredients existed. And really, ultimately, as I go further and further back along that causal chain, I'll hit the point where I touch the creative energy of a benevolent, powerful force called Hashem. And I realize that people are bringing to me that bounty, but ultimately there's a higher, even higher force that is the source of everything that I have in my life. And then I've almost completely traversed the fragmented experience of only self. So gratitude is, is immensely, immensely powerful and um, trans, transformative. And the first point of engagement when the Seichel speaks to the Nefesh is, do you feel grateful? And does that gratitude behoove you, nice word, first time you're hearing it, motivate you, encourage you, stimulate you to reciprocate? And that's another stage. That gratitude is not only an awareness of the effort and collaboration of all these multiple elements that brought this thing to me. It's also a response to what that means in terms of my debt that I owe the person for putting out that effort. And underneath that, there's a basic human component of self, which is a intuitive resistance to being dependent. It's almost as if the human condition abhors dependency. Children from a young age yearn to walk by themselves. People who are elderly feel that their sense of life is reduced when they need to rely on others to lift them up, to move them, to assist them with mobility. It gets to that tragic stage where they even have to be fed. It's in a certain way humiliating because we strive for independence. We strive for independence. We strive to make our own way. We do not, do not want to what's called eat the bread of shame. The bread of shame is we do not want to be given a free gift. It's inherently contrary to our human experience, which is why one of the Muslim greats pointed out that communism never t- stood a chance of success in its completely socialist form. Because since our need for Independence is so hardwired into the human psyche. The only way I do that is through ownership and earning my own way. If the efforts that I put in to any given work project are not consequential, 
I work and then this, the, the, the product of my labor just gets distributed randomly amongst all the people. So I feel almost emasculated from my humanity. Because it's not put in work, receive reward. It's put in work, nothing. Put in work, nothing. And then the other who's not putting work, he receives without putting work. So it's a fundamentally anti-human structure and therefore it's going to, it's going to dissipate. It's not going to work. And so long before the fall of communism in Russia, Rabbi Rucham said, this thing ain't going to get off the ground. Because ownership and working and earning is a basic fundamental component of human existence. And we can't escape it. We cannot escape it. We need to be able to feel that we're producing fruit with our very hands. Which means, when I am given a gift, it's an aberration of humanity. Receiving something for nothing is incongruent with the basic nature of what a human being is. So I need to figure out, well, what do I do with that? So how can I, how can I receive a gift? The only internal healthy way of gift receiving is the recognition that the reception of the gift requires reciprocity. I can't receive a gift and give nothing back because it dehumanizes me. I am fundamentally a person that needs to be able to make my own way. If we go to the depth of this idea, it's wired into the Jewish vision of what the purpose of life in its very essence is. The purpose of life is structured whereby the being called the human is straddled between good and evil and given the power to choose. Life is meaningful because I could do this or that. And therefore my choices are relevant. Which means I can move forward through the right decisions. It does make a, it does make a difference if I choose A above B or B above A. In other words, my very reason for existence is the power to effect the world through my involvement in it and make the choice essentially earning my next level, earning my next way. There's a difficulty, there's a struggle, but when I put in the struggle and overcome that difficulty, I move forward. It's relevant. It could have gone the other way. My, my actions are meaningful. I can do. And it's all me doing. The reason why I'm given this gift of choice is because when I do choose good, the good is mine and most deeply represents my creators who has an imperative goodness. How does my goodness become the one that I own? By making the choice between I could have made a bad choice, when I make the good choice, it's owned. So ownership, both in the spiritual, moral, ethical context and even in the practical, material context is a hardwiring of self. That's what we need to do. And therefore... Getting something that I didn't earn is an antithesis to my human nature. It's it's, it's unsufferable. I have to get out of it. One way of getting out of it is by denial and creeping back into some form of immature existence where I deny everything outside of my selfish parameter and therefore, well, no one's given me anything because things just spontaneously appear in front of me. And I dislocate them from their source. And then I feel, I feel no obligation of return because everything just kind of happens. But if I'm aware and conscious and I recognize someone giving me something, I'm now left 
denuded of my humanity, what I do. So therefore there has to be some kind of transactional consequence. There has to be some kind of response. The response is, I have to give it back. Well, I can't give it back because I've been given a gift. So what can I do? I have to give something back. So in its very least, I give back the thanks. And I acknowledge and that's why, again, it's tied into the word l'hodot to admit. I admit, by accepting the gift, that I'm not perfect. I don't have everything. I'm not complete. And I needed that gift for me. And you've filled the lacking of myself, and that's an admission. I shouldn't need this gift. I should be able to say, I'm okay. If I accept it, I'm admitting a lacking. So that's called l'hodot, to both thank and to admit. I have to respond to it. If I don't respond... So then I'm, I'm not being human about the thing. So therefore, it's not only that gratitude is this developing a sense of awareness of the grandeur of the world around me, penetrating the depth of the superficial world, acknowledging the incredibly sophisticated supply chain that brings even the most basic commodities in my life and that they don't begin here but they begin not there but not even there but not even there but not even there ultimately they begin with a beneficent creator making the world come into being and therefore living with that depth that's really only step one step two is then feeling wow I've been given all this stuff Undeservingly, how can I respond? How can I respond? And once we are able to inhabit that mind space, so I recognize I would not sell my eyes for any amount of money. No, not for a billion, two billion, three billion, ten billion. Which means when in my world of Emuna, a recognition that I'm a creation from a creator. So when I experience my eyes and their incredible worth to me, it's almost as if I've been given a gift worth billions of dollars. If I have a gift worth billions of dollars and I'm aware of the giver, I have to reciprocate. I need to reciprocate. I need to, as it were, pay back their debt of gratitude. But what happens when their debt of gratitude is so overwhelmingly great and the giver is so complete that I could never do enough to reciprocate and I could never really return anything that would be meaningful. That's the human predicament when the nefesh begins its discussion with the seichel. When the seichel begins its discussion with nefesh, which I find to be profound and enlightening. So comes the nefesh to the seichel to the nefesh and says, Are you completely clear? That you are wrapped up, bundled up in the kindnesses, the, the, the love, the gifts from your Creator. And therefore you are essentially acquired by the uninterrupted goodnesses that he bestows upon you 24-7. And the magnitude of his undeserving presence 
V'toymer, Ken. So the nefesh is quick to respond. The nefesh says, yep, got that done. Amar la'seichel, the seichel says, not so quick. Not so quick. So do you want to return some of that? Do you want to pay it back? On my nefesh again? No problem. Okay, so far it's going good. Really? Really? It seems like a little bit, you know, like a daisical. And, and, and the truth is, says the seichel to the nefesh, listen, this is not easy. This is not easy. This is not kind of a walk in the park, this whole spiritual transformation, reclaiming of deep, deep, deep self. This is going to be tough. And if you are willing to, in his words, taste the bitterness of the medicine, you will not be able to experience the benefits of health. Some treatments, some cures, are extremely painful. They're bitter, they hurt. This isn't going to be a walk in the park. You've got to be properly stoked to do this, babe. He doesn't say babe. My words, babe. I added in babe. Sorry. Take out the babe. That's the first, that's the beginning of the conversation. So we ran out of time, but let's continue. Isn't this a great conversation? This is a good conversation. This is, this is power conversation to be continued.